The future is now. Finding the NOSO has never been easier. Subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, and bookmark the new home for No Holds Barred, The Jenny Position, Wrestling War Zone, and all your favorite NOSO podcasts at NorthSouthConnection.com. It's New Year, New NOSO, NorthSouthConnection.com. Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise. The era of the ECW. And the franchise, Shane Douglas. Well, you want the lowdown on professional wrestling, get it right here at this podcast, Extreme Three-Way Dance. Connection Network viewers and listeners, welcome to the most extreme menage to all violence you'll ever experience on the Extreme Three-Way Dance podcast, traversing through the history of ECW with my friends Matt and Jenny. How are you guys doing? Uh, extremely excited uh, to be here, as always. Extremely agitated, but it's okay. I'll still mm. work it out. It'll be mm. fine. We'll get extreme, I'll, and I'll work it out. No big deal. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's uh, dive in then. We're going to wrap up January tonight, dip into February of 1998. We are marching toward Living Dangerously on March 1st. That's kind of started to come into view a little bit over our last episode or so, but let's uh, see where we head to. January 24th, 1998, Joey Styles in the ring. The crowd is hyped. The heads are a-banging, and we get a loud <laughs> fuck, you, New- uh, fuck New York chant from the Philly faithful in the arena. Joey brings out Taz to a big pop. He stalks down. He's angry as always. Taz says he's going to elevate the TV title, but he stops as Mr. Wright shows up in the aisle. Taz tells him to get in the ring, and he won't put his hands on him. So Wright uh, hops in. He says he has a backup plan in place. His bodyguard is in the back bench pressing 1,000 pounds. (laughs) Of course he is. He was talking to Mommy the other night, and she said... Lance and the big guy have to move on to bigger and better things than Taz. So she brought Lance some old VCW tapes, and he had some laughs with his friends. They did a Def Jam comedy hour watching them, and he watched someone break Taz's neck alongside Dean Malenko. And that man went on to win the ECW TV title at House Party 1996. And here we are tonight at House Party 1998, and that man is going to win the gold again because out comes (laughs) our old friend, Mr. Two-Hold Scorpio. (laughs) Scorpio greets the fans. He struts into the ring. He's all smiles. 
Um, and a cool moment to tie into the past history of the house parties into our opening animation, Matt. So what did you think of this opening uh, segment with Taz and Mr. Wright and the return of Scorpio? Yeah, uh, uh, Scorpio coming back is a big deal. I mean, he's a guy who can give a real boost to the undercard of these shows. I mean, not that it really needs it, but he's just he's another guy you can throw in there with a Lance Storm, a Jerry Lynn, a Candido, guys like that, and just go out there and have like a three, three and a half star match every time he goes out there. Uh, did Brackus really bench a thousand pounds? Do we really think that, or is that complete and utter <laughs> bullshit? He may have, but not at once. Like it might have been like a hundred right. pounds ten times. You know? Right, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Add it up yeah. to a thousand eventually. That's how that works. Are German weights the same as American weights? Maybe <laughs> sure, it's different, you know. The asymmetric <laughs> system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, well, yeah, it's smart. it's 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 good to have uh, Scorpio back, and as always, a uh, fuck uh, right. Yes. Fuck him. Him and his mommy. But that line about the bench pressing was pretty funny. So yeah. I just wish Taz would just stop giving him attention. Just why? I mean, mm. he's not a team player. He's already said that a billion times. What does he care about any of this? Right. Well, it's like he's trying to convince himself he's not a team player, but he can't help but get wrapped up. It's like the friend who says, exactly. oh, I'm not into the drama, but constantly somehow always involved in the drama. Right. Mm-hmm. Sort of like he uh, doesn't really want to be into it, but at the end of the day, he can't keep his nose out. I mean, I think they play it like he's just annoyed by it. Like, all right, this shit's become a nuisance, and now it's in my way, and I got to just get rid of it so I can stop having it in my right. way. It's like, like swatting a, a fruit fly stuff. away or something. He doesn't seem intimidated by too cold at all. So mm-hmm. no, I mean, pretty much no sells it. Yeah, well, he's fought him before, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that does bring us to our opening match. That is Taz defending the TV title against Scorpio. Joey's already in the ring from the open, so he just does the ring introductions and, of course, uh, introduces him as Flash Funk because that's who he's still competing as in the WWF. But Scorpio interrupts and says, I am too cold, Scorpio. We get some you sold out chance. Joey says, welcome back to the home team. And Scorp decks right and drops the bomb. It looked like he broke Wright's face. I mean, he crushed him with that. <laughs> so Wright's done. Uh, and Scorp is Scorp again. It looks like he's back in ECW. We'll see if it's a loner situation, like most of this stuff going on right now. Mm-hmm. With these two, as you know, DODF is using ECW as a feeder promotion. Um, ECW is getting you know, payments and helping pay the bills as a result. So it's a pretty good relationship they have going on. And it allows ECW to continue to do this at a low level, this little interpromotional feud, and also bring guys that are fresh into the roster and then give them a chance to find something. Like, look at Al Snow, right? Like, he's on loan from WF, comes in here and, and makes it happen. So we'll see if Scorpio can get some of his mojo back. After the break, we get going with a lockup, some easing in and some limb work by both. We reset. Scorpio lands a kick and some punches. Both guys go down hard on a shoulder block. Scorp comes firing back, hits a shoulder block again, but he takes his time instead of rushing in, which Joey commends as a strategy. Scorpio gets a sidekick. He knocks Taz outside and meets him with a baseball slide and a clothesline off the apron. Back in the ring, Taz ducks a clothesline. He hits an inverted German and elbows Scorpio to the floor. Taz follows. They trade strikes, but Taz backdrops Scorpio to the fans, follows out, and hammers away in the crowd. They go back in the ring, but Taz knocks him right back out. Scorpio grabs a chair. He hits Taz and heads back in, sets it up, and bulldogs Taz into the seat. Scorpio powerbombs Taz, heads up, and hits a big splash for two. Scorpio goes up again, hits a tumbleweed off the middle rope for two. Scorpio kicks Taz down, but Taz ducks a clothesline. Taz buries him with a T-bone for two. Scorpio ends up on the apron. They trade punches, but Taz backs him. Uh, in with an awkward back suplex. Taz hits a hard clothesline in the corner, but eats a boot on a charge. Scorpio nails a super kick, hits a splash in the corner, slams Taz, goes up for a moonsault for two. Follows the belly to belly, goes up again and hits a 450, but this time he does not cover. 
as usual, Scorpio. <laughs> he chops away, tries the leaping forearm, but Taz counters into the Taz mission. Scorpio taps, and we are done. Uh, very smooth finish. I think it played off Scorpio being smart all match, took one blind shot, and it did not pay off. Taz adapts up Scorpio and leaves. And that is that for him. A uh, very good match. It was well built, it was structured, it stayed in its lane. Scorpio hit his all classic offense, it was a worthy challenger, gives Taz the marquee win. Uh, we'll see if Scorpio sticks around. It could be a good addition to bolster things. Quality match with a good story. Jenny, I went three and a quarter star. We'll get to the post match in a minute, but um, suck with the match itself. I thought that Scorpio looked really good, except for his hair. <laughs> what was his hair doing? But and and Taz was really hanging with him, and that has not been the case with some of our Taz matches. So I thought, um, look, <laughs> Scorpio, he likes to fly, but he doesn't like to cover for whatever reason. So <laughs> I, I wish he wouldn't do that, but it does kind of pop me when he does that. So it, it's just something that. It, you got to get used to with what these matches, but does he hang around? Do you guys know? Or um... yeah, yeah, I think he sticks around. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I don't know if it's long term, but he's here for a bit. Um, I know he's, I know he's back in WWF. I think he's there like in the summer, but again, I don't know if he's doing yeah. both. You know what I mean? I know he's like on, on WWF TV in the summer. I know that. Mm-hmm. I, I again, I don't know if he's going back and forth and doing both at the same time or not. Um. Well, it was going for a while. I thought we might go to a draw, um, sadly. But then um, I I liked that Taz taps and um, Taz, I mean, uh, Scorpio taps. And he's, he's, it was a good title defense for Taz. Uh, I did three and a half stars, Matt. Yeah, so I went uh, a little bit lower than you guys. I went three stars on it. I thought it was kind of a weird match. Like, I feel like it was... Uh, a showcase for Scorpio, which uh, I don't know if necessarily that's necessarily a great idea against Taz. Like, I don't know. It just, it, I, I liked it a lot. It was good, but it feels like they could have maybe put somebody else in here with Scorpio instead of Taz. Cause Taz sold a hell of a lot in this match. Scorpio got a lot of offense in, and it's just, it was kind of weird to see Taz in that position during this, but I mean, I mean, it made for a better match for sure. But uh, given Taz's character, I thought that was, uh, that was pretty interesting. And um, I thought, uh, I did think it was a really uh, a good match. Uh, the 450 was great again, Scorpio, of course, not pinning him because why would he you know he's only trying to win a tv title or something like that but uh yeah the suplexes always look great i thought scorpio uh sold the suplexes really well so uh yeah a little bit lower than you guys i went three stars on it uh kind of a weird match but it was a good one so and a good title defense for taz so all right so after the match uh out comes mr Wright. he's got doug furnace with him Furnace jumps Scorpio as payback. Scorpio fights him off, but Furnace crotches him on the top and hits a super belly-to-belly. Taz returns. He saves Scorpio. Rockus is out. Taz takes him down, buries him with a T-bone. He takes off scurrying. Taz and Scorpio stand on their ground as right Furnace and Brockus leave. Taz gets a mic. He says he doesn't know Flash Funk, but he knows Scorpio. He's an athlete, a wrestler, and a superstar, and that's the guy he admires that showed up tonight. Taz tells him not to throw up because he's clearly gassed, but he's welcome in the ECW locker room at any time he wants to wrestle for a real promotion and then raises Scorp's hand. So this felt like a good welcome back, Matt. The blow-up line was funny because it was true. He was sucking wind bad. <laughs> he hadn't, probably hadn't wrestled the match that long in years. Right, right. Um, so it was cool. It was a cool moment. Good to see him back. And th- this did feel like a guy that's probably going to be sticking around based on Taz's comments. 
and kind of out of character for Taz <laughs> from what we've seen out of him. Like he's not a guy who really shows respect to anybody. So for, for him to respect Scorpio, I think it really gives Scorpio a boost, which is kind of what they were trying to do here. I think. So I'm assuming, like you said, he's probably going to be sticking around, maybe not necessarily full time, but maybe he's going to move back and forth in the WWF or something like that. But uh, like seeing that post match definitely tells me that he's going to be sticking around. And it was cool to see Taz, who again is a guy who never fucking does that. It was cool to see him show a little bit of respect to uh scorpio so yeah this was uh cool stuff jenny uh completely agree with everything you said i have a i'm a sucker for those little respect promos um i thought scorpio earned it um and taz continues to act like he's not a team player when he clearly is so (laughs) um this one was it it hit me right in the feels good job taz all right, back to the ring we go for Rob Van Dam taking on Bam Bam Bigelow. Bamber has a mustache, quite the look. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. He is looking angry and focused. RVD and Fonzie come out. We ease in with some circling around and teases till Bigelow throws a drop kick. RVD hits a flurry of kicks. It ends Gurry, gets a split leg and sunset flip, but Bigelow just sits on his chest. RVD bails out to regroup. We go to break. When we come back, Bigelow sends RVD flying across the ring with a toss, lays in some headbutts, misses a splash, but he catches RVD floating over to Arana and to a snap powerbomb. RVD bails out again, but Bigelow follows and hits him into the table. Bigelow shoots RVD to the railing and clubs away as Joey reminds us Bigelow had just had kidney surgery following November to remember. Bigelow pours it on outside. RVD is able to flip him into the railing with a head scissors in a cool spot. RVD unloads and smashes Bigelow with a chair twice across the back. Knocks him into the fans, flies into him with a tope. RVD heads up top, flies into the crowd, onto Bigelow with a dive. Stomps away as he comes back over the railing, but then knocks Bigelow back to the fans. RVD goes up again. He flies into the fans with a somersault plancha like a madman. RVD then peppers Bigelow with fists and a leg drop as he comes back in. Bigelow dodges a rolling thunder, chops his knees down, but RVD drop kicks his head. RVD slugs away, hits a falling soccer kick, but misses a floating splash, comes back with a corkscrew leg drop for two. Keeps throwing some punches and kicks and a monkey flip, but Bigelow blocks and counters the top of a drop kick with a slingshot. Bigelow hits a hard back elbow for two, spikes RVD with a suplex, hits an avalanche and goes up top, but misses a somersault senton. RVD puts himself up, smacks Bigelow with a hard chair shot, puts the chair on Bigelow and hits a split-legged moonsault. He saunters over, but Bigelow spikes a chair in his face, and he goes to the floor. Bigelow grabs Fonzie, press slams him for the apron into RVD as he's coming back in. RVD grabs a chair and he tries to Van Daminator, but it hits the ref by accident in kind of an awkward spot. Bigelow cracks RVD with a chair, but RVD drags himself onto the apron. Bigelow drives him off the railing. Out comes Chris Candido. Bigelow hits him, crunches him with the greetings from Asbury Park. Sonny is in. She pleads Bigelow to leave Candido alone, but he scoops her up. Francine comes out in an unzipped dress. Bigelow scoops her up, too. <laughs> He's got both girls on his shoulders. Out comes Shane Douglas, and he kicks Bigelow in the nuts. Douglas lays his belt out, boxes at Bam Bam, but RVD dropkicks Bigelow off the top to the back of the head and hits a frog splash to win the match. Well, that was a pretty fun little match. Uh, perfect big man, little man pairing, bouncing off each other. Both guys look strong. RVD flew around, hits a big spot. Bigelow uses his power, as always. Good finish, too, as Shane makes his return. And shows the triple threat is not yet done with their old friend. A uh, good crowd as well. Uh, some pretty quality TV action, Matt. I went three and a quarter stars here. So, again, on this one, I'm a bit lower than you. I did still enjoy the match. I, I went two and three quarter on it. And what dinged it for me, I, I feel like there was a sloppiness to this that I, I, I feel like kind of permeated throughout the entire match. Like, I feel like they're capable of better like, I, I mean, these are two guys who should really have like a fantastic match together, I think. And I feel like 
there was sloppiness really throughout it. That somersault sent on that Bam Bam hits, he just crashes into RBD's legs. Uh, that Van Terminator, uh, Van Daminator spot, mm-hmm. I thought was real sloppy too, where the referee was supposed to get hit, but kind of didn't get hit, so he kind of had to throw himself down anyway. So it was just kind, of, it was just kind of weird. And I mean, a lot of the, the spots that did hit hit pretty well, but I feel like that sloppiness was just kind of going throughout the entire match. So uh, I, w- I went two and three quarter for me, and I, I feel like uh, they are capable of, maybe I'm underrating it, but I feel like they're capable of uh, better, Jenny. Well, I may have overrated it because I sort of fell in love with this match because I liked that sloppiness. Mm-hmm. RVD seemed unnerved in a way that he usually doesn't in his matches. Like, because he ke- it seemed like, I mean, he was getting his ass beat for the majority of the beginning of the match, and it seemed to affect him, and that led to the sloppiness. That's how I felt, because Bigelow is so relentless, mm. and, and like, he's not moving fast, but he's coming for you, and he ain't stopping. He ain't stopping no matter what. He just keeps coming at you. That's what I liked about Bigelow in particular, and then RVD's sort of response to him. Um the, the Air Van Dam was fucking badass. Um, Candido getting his fucking head crunched was badass. When he got froggy and decided he was going to join the the party, dumbass. Um, and then, why was Francis not wearing a dress? I'm like, yeah. I, I, I don't know if they tried to make it like she just wasn't. Or maybe she just wasn't prepared to come out like she was getting prepped but and she came out and made it look like or a shoot <laughs> like, it could have been either and i'd believe it like either it she really was yeah yeah or I, she they tried to play it like it was so unexpected that she was just getting ready in the back and suddenly had to come out right um sunny now i kind of expected that after candido but does she take a lot of bumps uh she get hit usually like that I mean, is that kind of rare? Because I don't know that I've seen her like. Yeah, maybe little stuff off the apron and whatnot, but not yeah. usually anything big. Mm-hmm. So I thought she took it pretty well, um, and Francine was hilarious. So I kind of and the return of Shane, and then RVD murders Bigelow at the end. So I don't know. I did three three quarter stars. <laughs> I kind of went nuts for it. Yeah, go for it. All right. Uh, let's get to our awards. That was a pretty quick episode. Mm-hmm. Um, best match. I'm I'm with you, Jen. I went already big low. I know I had the same grade, but I liked it a little bit better than Taz and Scorpio, which is my worst match. This is only two. Uh, reverse it for me. <laughs> uh, best moment I, though. I went with the Taz endorsement of Scorpio post match. I thought that was yep. good. Yep. Oh, how do you not do half naked Francine? That <laughs> easily the best moment. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, most nineties. I went with uh, Flash Funk. It wasn't really much else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Fuck, fuck New York. A chance. I mean, yeah. Bra- Brackus. Like <laughs> that's true. Brackus is there too. <laughs> uh, stock rising. I went Scorpio, Taz, and Van Dam. Yep. Mm, yeah. And falling. I went uh, Mr. Wright and Furnace. <laughs> Tough night his, for them. His face fell off. His yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, so I went seven out of ten. I mean, it wasn't much to this episode, but it's two really good matches. A nice return in Scorpio, a cool moment with Taz, the uh, the chicks, all that stuff. So <laughs> yeah, it's a good a good little episode. 
I'll do seven for the chicks only. I went uh, I went six and a half. Uh, a different episode than we're used to. Usually there's some form mm-hmm. of backstage promo or something, but kind of interesting to see just a ma- uh, an episode that was all matches. So True. All right. Uh, hey, listen, if you're listening on podcast apps and you like watching, you know, you can go to YouTube, search No Style Connection, subscribe, hit the button. You'll get all of our shows uh, when they pop up and you can watch this episode. If you're listening to it right now, you can see us talking about it if you prefer that method. If not, though, we're cool with you still downloading on podcast apps and listening mm-hmm. in. So mm-hmm. sure to subscribe either way. All right, let's go to January 31st, 1998. Paul Heyman narrates a video about the triple threat's highs and lows in 1997. Joey's in in the nest. He says, Shane Douglas has a major announcement inside the Golden Dome in Pittsburgh. Oh, boy. Tonight. And we head to the ring where Shane and Francine are standing. Shane says his announcement is not easy. On November 30th, they set a record in ECW, made Pittsburgh an ECW town for good. But that night, he suffered a major injury that was made worse throughout the match. The crowd is behind him here. Shane's a bit torn up. He says he may be the first person to retire as world champion, which was not his plan when he started his career. His surgeon, Dr. Larry Pell, gave his opinion and advice that Shane is done. He went to see another doctor here in Pittsburgh, and the advice was the same. But he's changed his mind multiple times. The Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission has also told Shane he's done based on the surgeons, so it looks like he's done. Don't listen to the fucking doctors and commissioners. <laughs> and they will have to carry his body out of the box because he will not retire as champion. <laughs> I mean, this is fine. It's probably a little hackneyed. It's like, you know. It's Shane. Probably not retiring. I know. It was very Shane. It was like something we probably didn't need. But I guess in front of the hometown crowd, it kind of hits. And they had been playing up the injury pretty good. So it was fine. I mean, you never know, I guess. But I did get scared for a hot minute. I didn't buy it for a fucking second. (laughs) I feel like it was done solely to pop the, the hometown crowd. They Which loved. mission accomplished. I mean, it was really good for oh, what yeah. it was. They loved but... it. Francine was really, you know, over the top, too, with her mm-hmm. facial expressions, just looking so worried. All right. So we get our opening animation. Joey's in the nest, and he says, Shane will be in action at Hostile City Showdown 1998 this weekend at the ECW Arena, as well as at our pay-per-view <laughs> On March 1st, Joey talks about Shane's history of controversial moments. Bam Bam Bigelow storms in. He says he can never finish his work. Maybe he's going to break his arm and rip it off so Douglas will finally retire. He heard the Triple Threat is reuniting to raise their hands, but the franchise isn't retiring and Triple Threat's raising their hands to three guys. So that means he'll need a partner, someone with balls and guts. The camera's all over the place during this. Uh, Bigelow is demanding Joey help him. Joey says they have a camera following below the locker room. Uh... It's obvious this wasn't taped all in one shot because now he has tights on instead of a sweater. Yep. <laughs> uh, so it's a pretty big change. They make it like it's a tracking shop. Uh, Bigelow storms through the locker room. Everyone flees as he stalks around. Al Snow and Head offer up their services, but Bigelow pieces out on him. Uh, Bigelow is frustrated about not being able to find a partner, but Head and Snow keep following him. Bigelow says Snow worked for McMahon and Pritchard too long and, he's sick, and is sick in the head. Bigelow then finds Taz and singles him out. And he asks him to basically tells him to team with him against a triple threat. Taz says Bigelow can ask, not tell, because Taz does what he wants. Taz leaves as Bigelow begs him to help, but he doesn't get an answer. Uh, a, a weird segment. It was it was different, which I liked, but it was just kind of awkward. I think part of that's Bigelow. I, I just is not the best talker mm-hmm. overall. So like a lot of this stuff sometimes feels a little like rushed because he's just trying to get through it because I don't think he's like super confident with it. Um, but the the way they shot it was weird too, going in and out of the locker room. I get they were trying to build the intensity, but it just didn't flow that great for me. But it got the point across. 
was so cute. <laughs> I don't know, like, we don't get to see Bigelow talk that much, I guess, because he's not a great talker, but I don't know. Like, him just attacking Joey, like, right. fucking up the camera and going nuts on Joey. As he's leaving, he throws something in Joey's face. <laughs> I was cracking up. Um the the uh, FBI was in the locker room freaking out, all scared of him. Al Snow's like being Al Al Snow, and I I just thought the just the barrage of morons uh, in the in the <laughs> locker room was just very funny and charming. And then Taz doing his normal bullshit is fine, but I don't know. I thought it was good, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm I'm more with JT. Like, I feel like they were trying to get over. Like, this was supposed to be really intense, and I think yeah. I, I they kind of got there, but they didn't get there totally. And I think it's a it's it's a bam bam problem. I think they kind of got there with with him and Taz once they got to that point. But it was getting to that point that I think was the problem. Once he finally got to Taz in the snow next to his fucking Buick, I thought that was fine, but. I don't know. It's just kind of. I'll give him props for doing something different, but I don't know. It, it, it's a weird. It's a weird thing. It's a very weird thing. And then the fact that Bam Bam's wearing like thirty different attires during this entire thing also doesn't help. So clearly, it was you know pieced together with tape and bubble gum, which is fine. But I don't know. Bam Bam is better being like as a big or as a muscle for somebody than he is carrying a feud on his own where he has to speak. I think like you. So, yeah. but. It was perfectly fine. I mean, it was it was fine for what it was. It was just uh, very different from what we're used to. All right. Joey's in the nest. He recaps what we just saw. We get highlights of Bigelow and RVD from last week. Joey reminds us the triple threat are going to raise the triple threat symbol. And that assumes, and he assumes that means Douglas, Candido, and Storm. But they may have to face Bigelow and Taz while doing it. Next match is Taz taking on Bubba Ray Dudley. The Dullies stomp out to the ring. We cut backstage where Taz knocks out some jabron. And I'm sorry, it's actually Big Dick Dudley. Yes. Uh, he tells he tells Paul <laughs> to play his music. They argue, but Paul just gives in and Taz stomps out. Taz <laughs> takes him down. He wrecks him with some cross faces. Dick roars back, tries to choke slam, but Taz slips free and crushes Dick with a German and then chokes him out. Uh, squash. And a big one for Taz. And a really rough show for poor Dick uh, to get jobbed out like this. I, I think they could have just done like Devon and been okay. Unless I get that they were trying to make sure that Taz could beat a big guy, I guess. So whatever. Right. I had a big low. But mm -hmm. it felt like a poor use of Dick, which you never want to have, uh, Matt. I went one star. If I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Uh, yeah, I went a star on it, too. I mean, it was basically a squash. And I think you hit the nail on the head. They wanted to show that Taz could beat the shit out of a big guy. So let's throw Big Dick out there and have him throw him around for two minutes. So, yeah, uh, I went a star on it, Jenny. Look, I'm never going to be mad at seeing some Big Dick. So mm -hmm. I I did the, the ladies <laughs> one star. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was fine. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, indeed. Taz gets to Mike. He calls Bigelow a schmuck for singling him out. Taz singles out Bigelow, not the other way around. Joey's in the nest as we're still awaiting Taz's answer. If he'll team with Bigelow at Hostile City Showdown and provide the TV title is better than the world, or prove the TV title is better than the world title. And we get highlights of the last time Shane Douglas and Taz wrestled back at WrestlePalooza, mm -hmm. where Taz shocked Douglas to win the TV title out of nowhere. Joey says Hostile City Showdown could have all the champions in one match if Taz accepts. Joey says you can hear live play-by-play -play of Hostile City Showdown 1998 free on ECW's website. So, sure to check that out. Nice. Mm. 
Back to our next, uh, back to the ring for our next match. And it's Al Snow taking on Simon Diamond. Uh, Paul Diamond. Jesus, Simon. Uh, rematch <laughs> of, uh, of a match that's to come. Rematch so, of a match that didn't happen last time here. Snow and Head hit the ring. I even said to myself, it's Paul. Say Paul. I still said Simon. About two years from now, you'll probably be right. But right now, not so much. <laughs> Paul, Simon, all of them. Uh, Diamond has chastity with him. He looks ready to wrestle this time. Joey makes a Bill Clinton joke in regard to head as Snow is walking around talking to head. He says, chastity is a Monica Lewinsky of ECW. <laughs> the crap with Snow is always. Diamond attacks with the bell, tosses some strikes. Snow eventually counters, gets a neck breaker, a super kick, knocks Diamond to the floor. Chastity gets involved, but Snow quickly dodges Diamond and runs him into the railing, works him over. Chastity slows Snow down. Diamond shoves her into Al and kicks away. Hits Snow with a chair and works the arm. Back in the ring, Diamond grinds through some offense till Snow comes roaring back with a clothesline and a sit-out powerbomb. The crowd chants, help me, as Diamond gets a back elbow and a bulldog up the second rope. Chastity again gets involved. Snow knocks her down, shoves her into Diamond. Snow grabs head, hits Diamond in the balls, and then in the face. Chastity jumps on Snow's back, but he throws her down. She slaps Al and head, and head, and we get a loud, you fucked up, chant at her. She tries to run, but Al grabs her, hits her in the vagina with head. He hits a snowplow on her and Diamond to win. Snow has head cover Chastity as well for a second three count. A fine TV match. Uh, had some great heat, as always, thanks to Snow. The finish was good, too. Chastity added a lot to the match, and it's a good low-level manager. Fine for like the kind of trash heap stuff we got going on at the bottom of the card. Uh, Snow's hit a big dub. Two stars, whether it's Paul Diamond, Simon Diamond, Simon, <laughs> Neil Simon, Paul Simon, Neil Diamond, whatever you want to go with. Whoever, yeah. He beat them all. He Simon them Dean. All. I think Simon, Simon Dean, Dean was Dean there for a minute. Yeah. Simon says. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> what do you got, Jenny? Well, um, Snow just is so over. It's fun to watch this. I don't know. I, I can't think of another way to say it. It's fun. I like Chastity here. I like her slapping him in the face and slapping head. Uh, the you fucked up chance sent me after that. Um, I don't know. Two and one quarter stars, Matt. Yeah, I went two and a quarter, too. I, I gave it a bump just because of how fucking over snow is right now. It's crazy. It's insane. Like, and again, I think I said it on the last episode, just how quickly it happened. It's fucking wild to see. So I gave it the extra bump for that. Uh, I am, however, quite sick of seeing uh, Paul Simon Diamond. Find another jobber. He's terrible. We don't have don't any mind other it. jobbers anymore. I don't know. It's kind of like a nice little throwback. You can find some schmuck I off love the it. What are you doing? to take a beating. Yeah. Uh, he, he's just very great value at him. You hear the dulcet tones of Dick Dale can only mean one thing, and that is time for Pulp Fiction. Rob Van Dam's in an Air, Air Force gym in Valley Forge to prove what oh level of an athlete Lord. he is and demonstrate the Van Dam lift, which is what you do when you're sitting in a split position and basically deadlift a dumbbell. Joey says RVD is going to set a world record in the lift he created. RVD explains the lift as Fonzie sits nearby. He demonstrates it before going over his whole routine. We cut to Douglas, Francine, Candido, and Storm in the hallway. Douglas issues a warning to Bigelow and says he was about to kick Bigelow out of the triple threat anyway, before Mr. Loyalty Rick Rudy even got fall. Storm puts up the symbol, and Candido says, not yet, not yet. We go back to Snow, hanging upside down, talking to Head. RVD's back with the coach, setting the record of 166.5-pound dumbbell, and he does it while in the split-legged position, which is actually quite impressive. 
Douglas mm -hmm. still goes on about Bigelow and how everything about the triple threat to shoot. We get a funny gag about how Sonny is a big fan of Storm and she would like to personally handle them as a team. Douglas says he'll raise the three fingers at Hostile City Showdown 98 as a triple threat. And Candido says Lance deserves it. Bigelow is backstage stalking around, ends up in the snow arguing with security. Taz gets out of his car and they argue and Bigelow begs until Taz gives in and says he'll team with Bammer and then Taz will also give Bigelow a TV title shot as well to prove himself. Uh, Matt, any thoughts on Pulp Fiction? Yeah, I mean, the Van Damme lift is super impressive, but it did get me thinking, what do we think the Fonzie lift is? I think it's, it's either the whistle or it's him laying on the couch while lifting up a dime bag or something. Yeah. <laughs> so it's something like that. But yeah, it's it's super. The Van Damme lift is always uh, super impressive. Mm -hmm. uh, the triple threat, always intense, always great. Uh, yeah, I thought this was a really good uh, Pulp Fiction, and uh, I like the three fingers uh, thing that Shane said. That was really well done. Uh, Taz and Bam Bam arguing again. I feel like they're going to just keep arguing until we get to the pay-per-view. So, uh, yeah, it, it was on the shorter side of uh, Pulp Fiction, but a pretty good one, Jenny. I really liked it, too. Um, <laughs> RVD in the gym, all that was great. Like, <laughs> I wonder why they did that. Like... What what was the point of that? Just RVD just bragging on himself? Pretty, um, pretty much. You know, was that a legitimate record at the time? You know, I just have a lot of questions. But I enjoyed watching him do it. Uh, that split, you know. I don't know how he does that. Um, I really liked uh, Shane um, doing the uh, It's a Shoot promo on um on bigelow and he says he calls him your big ass <laughs> um which popped me um i'll snow upside down sure why not i mean any kind of random weirdness that al snow wants to do it works for me um something that made me laugh was bigelow when he was tearing his way through looking for taz you hear paul in the background scotty no trying to stop him from going outside in the snow and then I really loved their confrontation outside. Um, I, I like the outside stuff anyway, but um, of course, Taz is going to give in. Um, I thought it was a better interaction than the one previously in the locker room. So maybe Bigelow just does better outside. More impressive, the RVD split lift or the old Iron Sheik Persian Club and Bob Backlund also did the Persian clubs. I'm going to go with split lift. Persian Probably clubs pretty. Because he's doing, RVD's doing two, he's doing two things. What's the, she, Sheik's only doing one. That's true. true. It is two clubs though. <laughs> but how much do they weigh? I don't know, a thousand pounds probably. <laughs> All right, bro. <laughs> All right, we get a slate that says this episode is dedicated to Joseph Man Manolisu. I don't know how to pronounce it. Manolisu, <laughs> M-A-N-O. Italian. It's ECW's biggest fan and Tommy Dreamer's grandfather. So his grandfather passes away. R.I.P. Joey announces the match is now set for Hostile City Showdown. Bigelow and Taz versus Douglas, Candido, and Storm, and the triple threat will raise their fingers together. Results will be on the ECW Hardcore Hotline, and that match will directly affect Living Dangerously pay-per-view in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Mm. In Arena. All right, we can now snow music video to wrap us up, and that takes us to our awards. Uh, rough pickings here on this one. Best match. <laughs> I went snow and diamond, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> kind of has to be. <laughs> I 
after you did that that whole thing. Now well, it's either that or Taz and Dick. I don't know. That's it. It's really not much else going on here. You're right. You're right. Uh, right. Uh, best moment. I went Douglas's promo and RVD's lifts. Yeah, I went with the lift. Yeah, the lift for sure. Uh, most 90s, Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky at head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, rising, Douglas, Taz, Snow, and RVD. And Bigelow. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, falling, poor big dick. Proceeding, I guess. Shrinking. Flaccid. Flaccid, yes. yeah. Uh, final grade for me, 6 out of 10. Still a pretty eventful episode, but a step back from last due to the match quality and then... The Bigelow stuff was good, but definitely, um, again, a little awkward, like we talked about. Yeah, there's not much in the way of match quality, but I did six and a half anyway. Yeah, it was an entertaining show, but uh, for as much as we got good matches on the last episode, this one lacked it, so I went six on it. Okay, let's get to our last one of the night, and that is February 7th, 1998. Highlights of Bigelow and RVD at House Party and Bigelow's mission last week to make Taz team with him at Hostile City Showdown. Our opening animation takes us back to the nest where Joey kicks off Hostile City Showdown in the rabbit ECW arena. Says he has the ring announced duties for the match featuring all four champions for the first time ever. And it is a handicap match featuring Bam Bam Gillow and Taz taking on Shane Douglas, Chris Candido, and Lance Storm. Hmm. Francine leads out the triple threat to good heat as usual. All four are looking great. Bigelow's out next. He's locked and loaded, followed by Taz, so big pop. Looks like Candido's better, I guess, from that bicep injury. So, Or he's hmm. just fighting through it either way. Hmm. We get some long intros from Joey, but right as we're about to get rolling, Bigelow and Taz start to bicker. The crowd is buzzing. Bigelow and Storm get us going. Bigelow sends Storm flying with a massive pancake. Bigelow is on fire. He murders Storm with a powerbomb. Bigelow throws Storm to his corner, and Douglas takes the tag. Taz wants to face the franchise, so Bigelow tags him in. The crowd is hyped. As Taz steps to Shane, we get a lockup. Taz hits a T-bone and cleans house. Bigelow helps Taz clear the ring. They stand tall together. Shane tries to hit Bigelow with a chair, but Taz saves. He throws Shane over the top into Candido with a belly-to-belly in a great spot. Taz grabs a TV title, but Bigelow takes it from him. It hits Taz in the head and beats him down. Douglas, Candido, Francine, and Storm are all smiles to get in on the fun. Storm holds up the triple threat symbol, but Candido hits him with the tag belt now. and beats on him as well. Candido pile drives Storm on the belt as Bigelow and Douglas beat down Taz. Taz makes a comeback, but he's quickly swarmed and beaten down again. The triple threat embraced, and as promised, Bigelow, Candido, and Douglas hold the symbol in the air as the triple threat is reunited. Uh, this is a fantastic angle. The early portion of the match was great. Storm takes a good beating, and that made sense, given the plan. Like, Bigelow's not beating on Candido. He's not beating on Douglas. He's beating on Storm, who they know they're going to kick out. Uh, so that's smart already. The turn is quick and effective. My least favorite trope of wrestling is when guys wrestle the entire match and then turn. It's like, why did you go through all that? So I like that. Bigelow abused Storm to weak, soften him up, and then immediately does the turn um, to get to the point and uh, execute the plan. Uh, the carnage made the statement at the end. I think Bigelow makes the most sense in the triple threat. So I think we needed to get him back there. The initial triple threat run was too short. We didn't get to see how it could play out. I think he's the best fit there. We saw him I, as charismatic as he is on a connection level with fans. I don't think he's made to be like a top face. I, I think in this mm-hmm. role is the angry bodyguard that's going to chuck guys around is a way better position for him to be in where Douglas can do all the talking. Candido can fly around and, and do his manic shit. And Bigelow can just beat the crap out of guys and do what he does best, be angry and destroy bodies. So I think this is a good fit for him. 
you know, I don't know if we'll get to find out was the whole thing a ruse or did he really just kind of get blinded by Rude and win the title and things spun out of control and now they regrouped. Like kind of, you know, I don't know if we get that explanation, but I think it's a good rollback to get back to this point. So no grade because it's not a match, it's an angle, Jenny, but I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good too. I just, I didn't, I, it all makes sense, right? When you think back to everything that we've been through with the entire triple threat, um, it just, it's so ECW, it's what they do with these long stories, um, weaving people in and out, weaving motivations in and out, doing big turns. Um, it just felt like old school ECW to me. I really, I really love this. Uh, I love it for Bigelow. He's much better as a heel, as you said. So, um, and Shane looks like an absolute genius mastermind. Um, he looks legit. They look strong. I fucking loved every bit about it, Matt. Yeah, I'm in lockstep with you guys. This was great stuff. Uh, this is something that had to be done. They had to get Bam Bam back in there because he just wasn't really working as a face. He was connecting, but it wasn't really working, if that makes sense. So I, I feel like his best spot for him right now is being a part of the triple threat, reuniting the triple threat the way we all know it should be. And I thought this was really well done. Uh, the segment was great. Uh, Taz getting the shit beat out of him was great. And Taz's selling was fantastic. So, yeah, uh, the world makes sense again the the good triple threat is back uh mm-hmm. lance storm uh, the poor bastard is uh kicked out before he even really got in <laughs> so uh poor thing but uh yeah uh this is a ton i didn't rate it because it's it's not really a match the match itself was like four minutes long but the segment was fantastic it's so cute to me too how they kept protecting you know their triple threat sign from they wouldn't let him use mm-hmm. it. You know, that's that's just an interesting little bit of psychology that they did there. It's right. like, you know, it doesn't it, it's not just something anybody can do. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, that little bit of boot in the face. I really like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Joey's very solemn in the nest. We watch Storm get stretchered out as Taz is helped out of the ring as well. We then go to Paul Heyman narrating a piece about the Sabu Sandman Stairway to Hell match at House Party and how they amped things up in response to the Monday Night Show stealing their stuff. He said it was so extreme and violent that ECW won't even air it on TV. Joey in the nest says everyone wants to be extreme, but Sabu and Sandman redefined it. Hypes the home video of House Party. Joey also hypes a Cyber Slam on February 21st. It reveals they'll have a live audio internet broadcast thanks to Audioscape. Joey says Living Dangerously 98 has now shifted given the antics of tonight, but all confirms that Bam Bigelow will likely challenge Taz for the TV title in Asbury Park on that show. Joey says, Just Incredible and Mikey Whipwreck could also have had a great match at Living Dangerously, but they won't, because Credible viciously assaulted Mikey and injured his knee. The plan has now changed to a Credible Great Sasuke rematch at Living Dangerously, but at House Party, Credible injured him as well, taking him off the show. Grand Hamada came out, but he got beaten down too, and he went uh, and he decided to come back and get payback on Credible. And that brings us to our next match, which is Grand Hamada taking on Justin Credible. Credible's out with Jason, his mega push rolling on, taking out some stars and being presented as a killer. Hamada heads out as well, focused on teaching a lesson. Tax at the bell, takes out Credible and Jason with some strikes. Credible bails out. Hamada follows and they brawl out there. Hamada knocks Credible into the fans. He heads back inside to regroup. Hamada throws headbutts and strikes as Credible comes back. Credible stays alive. Hamada hits a flying clothesline off the top for two. Goes up again for a missile dropkick. Gets a near fall. Hamada gets the top rope Rana. Tornado DDT for two. 
Hamada knocks Credible back outside, misses a Pescado, crashes to the floor. Credible hot shots him on the railing and back inside. Jason throws Credible Sasuke's mask. He puts it on, hits a corkscrew tombstone, and picks up the surprisingly easy win. Uh, Hamada did get some fun offense, but Credible uh, just being a real douche. The mask stuff was good. The heel push is strong. Styles not happy about the disgraceful approach, but it's been successful, Matt. Two and three quarters to me on this one. I thought it was a feisty little match and another solid, convincing win for Credible. Yeah, uh, another big win for Credible under his belt. Super quick match. It was like five minutes long, so that's why I only went two and a half on it, just because it was so short. It was good, but it was really short. Uh, I like the touch of Credible putting on Sasuke's mask and hitting the tombstone to win it. I thought that was a neat touch. Just more disrespect showing to uh, Sasuke and just another big fuck you to him. So uh, Credible is just, he's on a fucking roll here. It's kind of crazy. I think I said it last episode, too, where mm-hmm. he's kind of ascended a lot like Al Snow has, but on the heel side, and it's also been kind of while like i didn't know he had he had this much success this fast in ecw so it's kind of crazy to see for me too but yeah this was a good match but i mean it, it was only a uh, five minutes so it was kind of kind of tough it felt like they were limited like maybe with another five minutes or so they could have had a really great match but as is i went uh two and a half jenny i'm with you on that one matt um seemed like there was just something missing to it i don't know mm-hmm. if it was time maybe um, or something, but really a, a pretty brutal massacre of uh, another one of these guys that Credible just seems to have their number for whatever reason. So, um, and he's just relentless, and he he has no he no no respect at all. Um, Joey, I'm with Joey. Joey is just disgusted and cannot stand it. And I agree. And why were there people in the crowd wearing BWO shirts still? I was like, <laughs> well, I mean, I I wear I've been wearing that goddamn Hall and Oates shirt for about a decade. I mean, I, when you buy a shirt, you still you gotta wear I'm, it to the ECW event. I mean, whatever. But but the the crowds are usually fret like they're current. They're not usually. Not everyone's got wearing. the money to spend on new shirts, no, but. Jenny. These crowds are they stay up with their promotion. You know, well, in their defense, much. Stevie Richards did just come back, so maybe they expected him on this show, you know. Oh, yeah, he wasn't around long enough to get another fucking t shirt, though. Yeah, and Meany is still around. I mean, I don't think we see him much on TV, but he's still around. All right, well, I did two and a half, two and a half long takes. Mm. Wow. Mm. Joey narrates more about Justin Credible's approach, talks about some fan responses on the internet during the live play-by-play for Hostile City Showdown. Joey says, WCW's live audio from Boston's Fleet Center. And this, that's a pretty infamous one mm-hmm. that they did that. That was like a very new and rare thing on a mainstream schedule. WCW's live audio from a house show in Boston, which they don't do many shows there ever, really. Um, they said it's not working, but ECW's did. Bischoff now has $50,000 less to buy souls with. And as a result, Moxie <laughs> sold out commercial and the sold out pay-per-view and Mark Madden's play-by-play and says Gene Oakland's already at the bar. <laughs> so it's kind of takes out everyone in that one little uh, <clears throat> quick hip. Joey ain't fucking around tonight. Uh, Joey turns back to just incredible injuring opponents and mocking them. He hypes up the hotline and then he'll talk to anyone on there, but tells fans not to call option three to not give that punk credible any time. <laughs> Joey then hypes living dangerously on March 1st in Asbury Park. Says the internet fans are not happy with Bigelow and wonders what happens with the tag titles now as well. Any quick thoughts on that whole hullabaloo? Uh, I'm guessing Joey uh, bought the audio feed of uh, Boston Brawl, and that's why he was so pissed. Because <laughs> he was out 20 bucks or whatever it was. Yeah. 
that was such a big deal at the time. It was like I remember that. Like A that they were running Boston and then mm-hmm. running the audio. I know they did one in LA. I don't know if I remember if it was before this or if this was the first one, but yeah, I, I just remember this being a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was a house show too, which like at that time, MSG and the other house shows being televised had ended. Mm-hmm. Um you know, a while ago. So this is like the first time in a while we're like we're getting a live house show deal. Right. It's pretty cool, yeah. I mean, and Joey seems super excited about it, and I love how petty he is about <laughs> about the hotline. <laughs> Popped me. Yeah, not happy. All right, triple threat backstage. Shane says, back in the early days of the sport, there was always some jackass in the next town thinking they were tougher than the wrestlers there, and they called them marks and suckers, and the business thrived on it. There are plenty of marks in the audience and in the back, including Taz. And Shane made the TV title great first. Shane says he's ranked above Taz. That's how it goes. When things are said and done, Taz may be smart, dumb, rich, poor, but he's a mark. Candido rants about Storm. He said all he cared about was fancy moves and stealing Candido's glory and his girl, but he's just a Canadian mark. Shane says he told Candido that Storm wanted Sonny and Steel, the most downloaded person in AOL history. And he may be talented, but he's a mark, a Taz mark, a Lance mark, a smart mark, a dumbass mark. They're all just marks. Triple threats together again. Candido says Storm can't even raise his fingers because he isn't a member, but Bigelow is. They all do kind of some evil laughs, and we wrap up our action for tonight. So any thoughts on that segment, Jenny? I have a thought. We should end this episode with evil laughing. But before that, mm-hmm. this was mm-hmm. really good. This is really good. Like, this is what I wanted. The big gloating promo, like, in your face. I'm a genius, and fuck all y'all, and I fooled all y'all. It was perfect. Like, they are just all attitude. They are at the top. Shane looks unbeatable at this point. What are you going to do? I mean, he's hurt, but he's still on top. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. Uh, we're all marks, you guys. I we think are. That, that's what I, I mean. If, Sh- if Shane says it, it must be true. I mean, he just goes off again on another one of his rants, and he's just crazy now saying he's the one who made the TV title great. He built EZW. He calls Taz a second rate mark. Just mm-hmm. great lines throughout this entire thing. And then there's Candido, who again, I say, I feel like I say this all the time. I never know what the fuck he says. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, even he's going 100 miles an hour. <laughs> Like we're it's even at the point now where closed captioning just fucking gives up. Too. It's like I don't know, fuck this. It's it's not worth it. But yeah, I thought this was uh, this was really well done. You know, uh, him uh, Storm trying to steal Sunny from Candido was also a great line. And then I like how he ends it by saying together again for the very first time. I thought that was a great closer to this. So yeah, uh, more great stuff from the uh, the good triple threat. And ECW is so good that it makes you wonder some stuff. Is it real subtle or am I looking into things? Like the way mm-hmm. Douglas keeps bringing up that Sonny was trying to bang Storm. Mm-hmm. Like, is that Douglas just fucking with Candido to like keep him with the plan and not want to be Storm's, like have Storm in the group and be buddies? Mm-hmm. Or was it just like Shane being Shane and saying ridiculous things? You know, like, little, little, I was going to say a little of A, a little of B. I guess it could be either, but like I like to look at it and think, wow, like Shane you know, played mind games with his buddy to make sure he never trusted the storm. So he would stick with the plan and, and not get kind of roped in because of the success of the team. So, mm-hmm. uh, all right. Best match was our only match. And that was Hamada. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, best moment is obviously Bigelow. In the oh, the turn for sure. Yeah. Most nineties was, uh, to me, the internet convention with the live <laughs> audio on oh audio. God, yes. Yeah. Audio scape. Boston brawl. <laughs> Uh, stock rising, the triple threat, and just incredible. Yep. Yep. I didn't have any falling. I mean, like 
Storm and Taz were still presented well, even though they were kind of duped. I mean, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was kind of an obvious turn. I don't. Know. So, Jane, let me ask you. I kind of knew it was coming because I knew in my mind, even though I haven't watched all this stuff, the triple threat. There was more to it than what we've mm-hmm. seen. Like I knew Bigelow. I knew that existed for a while, mm-hmm. and like that seems so short in '97. I think I even comments to our buddy Rocco, you know, who's very knowledgeable on ECW, like, oh, I thought I thought this went longer. You know, like at at the time we watched Bigelow turning, mm-hmm. and to the point where I didn't, that's why I was still caught off guard when Bigelow won the title that night. Cause mm-hmm. I did not expect the triple threat to end that fast. I thought mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. something. Cause I remember hearing about it and reading about it. Um, so I kind of saw this coming, but for you, did you, was the turn obvious to you or like, did they telegraph it or did you think it was like really well done? You were shocked. You know me well enough to know I had no idea. Yeah, I was shocked. Of course I was. But then it just instantly made sense. You know, everything, it was like, it's like the usual suspects at the end. Like, every, like I saw all the, all the, all the playing that Shane had done. And, um, I just thought it was brilliant. I, I, yeah. I'm a fucking Mark. Okay. I'm a Mark. <laughs> I admit it. All right. Uh, see, so yeah, I'm not going to give them a thumbs down because I think it was well executed. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven and a half out of 10 for me. I, the turn is so well done and epic. The, and the credible stuff is really good too. So, I mean, it's, it's a great episode of TV. You're watching this, you're hooked. And they're really building Living Dangerously well now. Like, you want to really see Bigelow Taz in Asbury Park, in his hometown. Yes. Mm-hmm. Throwing him into and, the couch. And that is... Do we have TV before that? Or Yeah, like, I don't, Yeah, that's not next. I think we got three more TVs. Mm-hmm. Okay, well uh, that's... Yeah, three more TVs and then Living Dangerously. So we got a lot to play out to set this match up. Yep. That makes me nervous um, based on the previous two. Yeah, but you, we haven't really seen them set up. I mean, he turned on them. If the match was next, it'd be like, there's not that heat yet, right? We got to see. I know. Three seems on. like a lot. I know. Well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. So that's maybe we'll go back to Japan. Okay, yeah, maybe. And we could do like a bullshit filler episode in there. Right. Probably too. Have uh, Paul Simon Diamond face somebody. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Song Blue. You can break that out. Um, yeah. yeah. The boxer. All right. We're done. We'll be back in two weeks with those three weeks of television we just mentioned. And then a month from tonight, we will be talking Living Danger Six. We'll see how that plays out. These pay-per-views come fast now. It's crazy. I think mm-hmm. it's churning mm-hmm. along through ECW history. Check out everything we have to offer here at North South Connection. Just go to NorthSouthConnection.com or subscribe, like I said earlier, on the YouTube channel. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Thank you for all of your support. We are out. Ha 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 